Hey there, SLP. You are listening to this podcast, so I know that you love to listen to podcasts. And if that is the case, then I know that you are going to love my secret private podcast, Secondary Secrets for SLPs. It's six short episodes that will have you walking away feeling refreshed and inspired and ready to take on those challenging secondary speech students. So if you work with grades four through 12 and are in a planning rut or wanting some fresh new ideas to keep your students motivated, make sure you head to speechtimefun.com slash secondary secrets. You are not going to find this podcast in your iTunes podcast search browser. You can only get access by going to that link. So head to it now. It is six short episodes that you can listen to it in under an hour, like totally Netflix binge-worthy. I made this just for you, and I know you are going to love it. SLPs have been telling me already that it has changed their way for working with their older speech students. So head on over, again, to speechtimefund.com slash secondarysecrets, or use the link in the show notes, and I can't wait to hear what you think. Now let's head on to this week's episode of SLP Coffee Talk. You are listening to SLP Coffee Talk. I am your host, Hallie Sherman, and I am a licensed speech-language pathologist who is in the trenches working full-time in a public school in New York. I am the author of the blog and Teachers Pay Teachers store, Speech Time Fun, where I love helping other SLPs conquer the overwhelm and get back hours spent on prepping activities. I am here to help you be the best SLP you can be and have fun while doing it. Just like your morning cup of coffee, this podcast is just what you need to start the day or week. Let's jump into today's Coffee Talk. Hey, hey, and welcome to another episode of SLP Coffee Talk. Today, I don't have an SLP, but I have a special educator that I know you are going to love. So Jennifer Hofferber, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me, Hallie. I am honored to be a guest on the SLP Coffee Talk, even though I'm not an SLP and I do not drink coffee, but maybe <laughs> maybe your listeners can gain a little bit of information from me. I definitely think they will. So tell everyone a little bit about you and your role as a special educator and where you are today. Well, my name is Jennifer Hofferber, and I am an instructional coach for all of the special education teachers in my district. I live in Oklahoma, but I teach in Kansas, so I just drive over the border every day. Prior to that, I was a special education resource teacher for 27 years, and so I traded in my hat of teaching children to be able to teach adults, and I'm absolutely loving this new challenge in life because it's so needed. And, you know, teachers are just not prepared in college for what they're going to experience in the real world setting. And so I support them and train them in whatever they need. And then also in that same realm, I have a business called the SPED Prep Academy, where I provide my own podcast and courses and TPT products to help teachers learn all the tricks of the trade. So amazing. I'm assuming it was a big shift when you had to switch from teacher of students to teacher of teachers. Can you tell a little bit about that? Yeah, it was it was a shift, but I had been doing this part um in 2015 I was named to the teacher of the year team where we started um traveling around the state and really had some leadership roles and that's where I definitely developed a love for 
leadership and started taking on some different roles within my district where I was able to provide some professional development to teachers. And then that's when I created my business. So I've had it on the back of my mind for a while, but this job just came open this year. So yeah, it's a big difference. I I really miss the kids. I miss my co-teacher, but I'm absolutely loving it. And think of how many students you're impacting by helping all of these teachers, not even just in your district, but also like with your podcast and everything, like just the ripple effect is just so amazing. So can you tell everyone, as we all know, as SLPs, special educators, we're all writing IEPs. It can clearly be a challenge. Can you share some struggles that you know that teachers face when it comes to writing IEPs? Well, I feel like there's a difference between a special education teacher writing an IEP and an SLP writing an IEP. I know that there's some differences, whereas the special ed teacher might be, or most likely is the primary provider. And so they're writing the majority of the IEP. But SLPs do have some standalone students often. And so they're writing those IEPs. And just like a special education teacher, you're going to come across all of those issues of having enough time to do it, of being organized enough to do it or, you know, keeping track of all of the different pieces that go into it. So it really is just, it's a whole job, just the IEP process itself. And so I do have some different time savers and just little tips that I can share about writing IEPs with your listeners. Please do. Yes. Yes. Everyone's screaming in their cars. Yeah, it's telling <laughs> Well, the first one is um, a weekly prep schedule is what I call it. And so you know that um, we have a lot of IEPs. I mean, on a, on a typical caseload, I'm thinking teachers have maybe 15, 20, 25 kids on their caseload, where SLPs are often dealing with more than just one building. You're dealing with Either more than one building. Yeah. I mean, I have 65 students on my caseload, yeah, and, I, yeah. and it's considered small. So <laughs> how many of those are your standalone students? I have about two. I am lucky, but I know many SLPs have a lot more than that. But you're having to do all the testing for all mm-hmm. of those kids. And I have to do my sections of over all those kids, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so that's where it can get, get kind of tricky. So I feel like having a calendar that you are looking at um, weekly would be very important to help you stay organized with what needs to be done for each IEP, who needs tested, when your meetings are, and then even who is going to provide the services when you are in those meetings or if therapy sessions need to be canceled or rescheduled. There's just so many moving pieces. So I know that there's a lot going on and then that schedule would be beneficial in that you're sitting down every week and you're looking at what you have to do that week and you write it down and then you prioritize it based on what needs to be done first. And then my favorite piece of it is to color code everything so that you know which building you're dealing with. So there's nine buildings in my district. And right now I'm working with all nine of those. And so I highlight each building with a different color so that I know just at a quick glance what building I'm working with that day, what I need to take, what teachers I'm dealing with, what IEPs I'm going to be dealing with. And so you know, I don't have to travel to that school so often. I can just, you know, have everything done for that one building and it's color-coded. It's easy to to check and it's just a huge time saver for me. I love that. And if you guys are in one building, you can even color code for your grade levels. Mm-hmm. So like first grade, second grade, third grade has a different color code. So you know, like which grade level are you focusing on or something? Yeah, whatever works for you in your situation, but definitely have some type of schedule where you're just getting yourself really organized. 
Do you have any tips? I know like this is middle towards end of the year at this point, but thinking about next school year, like I know for me, I love to set myself up in September, like August for all these different things. Like how do you have any tips on how to like set someone up for the entire year? Yeah, definitely. Systems is a huge time saver in whether it's like the input forms that um, you're going to be asking for from feedback from the general ed teachers or the special education teacher or even parents. If you have those systems put into place, probably most easiest these days is having some type of digital format, whether that's an email or, you know, a Google form where you're asking just questions and getting that feedback. But however you do it, whether it's digital or paper and pencil, just make sure that you're doing it the same way every time. And then you're able to keep that documentation easily at hand. Having systems in place that that you need to get all that information and that you know where it's going to be gathered, it helps you just know where all that information is whenever you need it. So this could be done at the beginning of the year, you know, set up your system, get everything lined out, make yourself a plan, list it out on paper, and just know the way that you're going to do it every single time. And another system I would definitely put into place is how you're going to progress monitor, whether you have like a, a notebook or whether it's digital again. Just having that system in place where you have each child's information, you have their a list of their goals, you have a list of their progress monitoring tools, you have even copies of some of the tools that you use with the child. So like, say you have a box of cards that you want to use with a child. I would just make a copy of those cards and stick it in that binder so that, you know, if those cards ever go missing, then you you have a backup plan. But just giving yourself tools so that you can be organized and definitely systems is a way to do that. I love it. Do you find more teachers gravitate towards digital or paper these days? I still feel like most teachers are still paper, pencil mm-hmm. kind of people. Um, they just give that form to a general education teacher and have them fill it out and put it back in their box. But the majority of my teachers are paper, pencil, but di- digital, you know, it's always there. And you can always, I don't know, sometimes you, you might think that it's going to be lost in the Google world forever, you know, but if you, as long as you have a system and you have a folder that they always go into, you know, you can make it work for you. It's just personal preference. Less clutter. My Google Drive is very cluttered, so I'm not <laughs> sure which one works best for me. Do you have good tips for collecting data or even progress monitoring that you find has helped yourself and those that you've worked with? I just have a schedule of when each child needs progress monitored. So you typically progress monitor on a nine-week basis, but I would just have a system of that week of who I'm going to do and what they need and kind of chunk it in the students of kind of based on their goals. You know, if you have some that are, well, your your is a little bit different than a special education teacher, but you might have language goals or you might have articulation goals, but I would just try to test the, the kids with those similar types of goals at the same day so that you have all of your materials out at the same time, and you're not having to go back and forth. Mm-hmm. Do you find that teachers have to struggle with the same thing with like making sure to get hit every student with every possible goal every nine weeks sort of thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's always the teachers, you know, they're always trying to figure out. I don't know. They, they seem to like wait till the last minute to get all of this, <laughs> you know, fit into that, that week of when reports are due. But I, I'm trying to help them figure out systems of, you know, just 
keep it going all the time. You don't have to just wait till that week of progress monitoring. You can just have running records, collecting data the whole nine weeks. And so that you're not just waiting till the very end and having to cram it all in. So, so true. Like, what are some tips you have for like chunking the IEP and making it more simplified for themselves? Well, the chunking kind of, I think, would go for the IEPs that you're writing completely yourself, where you are the primary provider. But if you are just doing your part of it, definitely just getting that information, having that information, and then just whipping that section out. But if you're writing the whole IEP, I do recommend chunking so that you can just do a few little pieces every day or so, so that you're not having to wait until the last minute and cram it all in again. Some teachers like to get that PLAF, the present level section, done first. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I like I like to wait and keep that for the end. And I, I kind of work backwards on my IEP system. I'll go to the last, you know, four or five pages and knock those out. And then I go back to the top and do those four or five pages. And then I save that present levels and writing the goals for the very last. But as long as you're chunking and you can, you know, set some time for yourself during your day where, okay, I have this 30 minutes, I'm going to knock out these five pages and be done for the day. And so you're not, you're not bringing on stress. You're not um, always feeling like you're behind, but so you can just be more proactive in your IEP writing. I love that. So it doesn't seem as overwhelming. I know for me, I have a simple checklist for myself where I'm not allowed to click print on the report until I input everything into the IEP. That's my way. Like, I'm not putting the file back. I'm not putting anything away. And I'm printing. Like, that's like, if if, if, if something's away, that means I did it. Mm-hmm. So many times I'll, I'll think I did it. And I get it to the meeting or whatever. And I'm like, oh, I didn't write the plebs. Oh, my goodness. Yes. <laughs> or someone's chasing me after my, you know, for my paperwork and stuff like that. So that's one little thing I do for myself is I do my entire report, do everything. Then I do the IEP and then I click print on the report. That's just a simple go-to. Whatever works, right? Yes, whatever works. Lists are amazing. I'm glad you mentioned that list for everything. I have a list for how to do an evaluation. I need to do this, 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 and this, and then print and turn it in. Or for an IEP, I need to do this part and this part and this part for my IEP. So having lists and being organized is, is so important in our field. So, so true. And talking about lists, like I love, and I know you do as well, having goal banks to help yourself. Can you talk Mm -hmm. about using that? Yeah, goal banks, I feel like, especially when you're starting out, can be amazing. Now, I know that there's two different camps with this. There's some teachers or SLPs who might say that goal banks aren't individualized enough. But I feel like, you know, if you don't know where to start, you don't know where to start. So I feel like writing goals whether you're just stuck with how to word a goal or you can't think of a good goal for a skill, goal books can provide you with a wealth of information. But you just have to remember that goals still have to be individualized. You don't want to just copy and paste something from something you found on the internet. And a lot of goal banks that I've seen, including the one that my district uses, which is goal book, these often have a lot of extra verbiage in them that really just doesn't need to be there. And so just make sure that you're cleaning everything up. Make sure that that the criteria that you are listing in there is applicable to the student and you don't have to, don't make it too wordy. So definitely use goal banks. You can find a whole bunch of free ones on the internet. You can find paid ones, but make sure that they are individualized for each student. 
I remember years ago, I went to a training held by, we use Frontline, which is formerly known as IEP Direct. And we, I went to a training with them and they were saying like, yes, we have goals on our site, on our platform, but they were used, we were designed to be used as a starting point. Mm-hmm. And so many people are just like clicking and using and they're like, like, no, 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 no. It's supposed to give you just a, someplace to start if you didn't know where to start. So just always keep in mind. But I know for me, I love creating, I use um just like a Google sheet and it has different tabs mm-hmm. for all the different types of goals. Do you have a, like a favorite system that you like to use or is it just typically just going into your system that you have? Yeah, we have, we have that goal book and we've just had it. This is our first year of having it. And so I'm teaching the teachers how to use it. But having taught for 27 years, I have a goal bank in my brain. So I don't necessarily need it. You know, for a veteran teacher, you probably have the ones that you know, you know, are going to work well for a lot of your students. But yeah, just having something that you can go into and just get a starting point and then start start kind of cutting it back because they there are so many words that they use in those. And sometimes they even have like more different sets of criteria that, you know, three out of five trials and, you know, and everything's in little parentheses. And that's just just an indication that you need to change that information. But teachers are, you know, copying and pasting this huge long paragraph with all the parentheses and everything and putting it into their to their IEPs. So I'm like, we're doing a lot of training on how to modify goal banks. It's interesting to hear that it's not just us, that everyone needs some explicit training on proper ways to write goals. What are some like meeting must-haves? Now that we talked about IEPs, like let's talk about the meetings. What are some things that you do to help prepare for the meeting and make sure that you come prepared as possible? Well, I have to admit that I'm a little bit of a conference room snob. So I've always, you know, had the freedom to decorate my conference room or, you know, put little motivational signs up or make it kind of homey by decorating bulletin boards. And I've even had principals who have done that for me and made it very welcoming to the parents for me. But of course, I know that not everyone has that luxury or you might not even, as an SLP, you might not even feel that you could approach that subject because you don't feel it's your place. Or there are some things that, you know, you might not just want to assume or, you know, just walk into a room and, and decorate it however you want to. So I understand that. But I think that there's things that we can do to help parents feel more welcome and more comfortable in the conference room setting. So some of the must-haves that I have, the first is just have a supply of pins. I can go into going to all the different buildings now. I walk in there and there are no pins. And I always bring one with me, but I feel bad for the parents when they're having to trade that pin around the you know, the circle. It's just annoying. So just carry a bag of pins with you at all times. I like to make sure that there's a box of Kleenexes in the room because you're either going to have runny noses or you're going to have, sometimes parents are going to have tears on different occasions. So make sure that you have Kleenexes available. And then I like to have coloring books and little um, quiet activities for siblings to do. If a parent has to bring another child to the meeting, they are most likely feeling uncomfortable, nervous that their child's going to make noise or they're you know, going to cause a distraction. So just have something that that child can do. And I think that by having those things available, that you're showing a good faith effort that you're going to accommodate them and that builds trust that they have in you. And then I guess just have a well-organized IEP file, I think would be a must for me. Nothing looks more unprofessional than just digging through a bunch of papers on the table and, you know, not having a, a, a good organization with your paperwork and you're trying to find the copy that you need. So 
I just use a hanging file folder. And then within that file folder, I have all of my manila folders inside there. So I'll have one that says current IEP, previous IEP. I have one that says progress reports, another one that says progress monitoring data. You can have meeting notices, meeting summaries, whatever you have for your paperwork. You're going to have a different folder for each one of those things. Being organized just makes a parent feel more confident in your abilities and it shows you know, that you know how to do your job. And it just really just makes you feel more confident in your own abilities. Yeah, I, lo- I love that. It's just me feeling smooth, like you feeling prepared. Everything will just flow mm-hmm. much better. Love it. And then the last and the most favorite thing that I have for any IEP meeting room is my percentile chart, understanding percentiles. And it's not just any percentile chart, but it's one that parents can actually understand. I know that We've all shown parents a bell curve, or we've all told parents that your child, if you line up 100 students, your child would be, you know, fifth from the end. And it's not a concrete enough example for them to understand truly where their their child falls. So I created a very colorful graphic of 100 students on a poster, and then I broke it into the different levels of very low, low, low average average, high average, and high. And we've even blown it up into a big poster and put it on the wall in that conference room. It adds some color, adds some decoration, but it's very, it's a graphic that's very much used. It's not just something, you know, to make the room look pretty. It's something that's actually used. And I can't tell you how many times that I've heard, ah, okay, I get it. Or they've said, you know, they're they're nodding their heads that, okay, they can see that the green is an average student and their child is down there in the red. And it's not necessarily to point out that your child is just, you know, way behind, but it shows them a visual picture of where the child is, is falling. So your listeners can get access to a free copy of that if they want to. And we can leave the link in the show notes if that would help them. Oh, definitely. I was going to ask, where do we find this? I want this to, <laughs> to utilize my uh, meetings and stuff. So yes, then so we're going to definitely put a link to this in the show notes and so not to worry, everyone. Yeah. I definitely know this. I, like, I know so many times we've shown the bell curve and parents are just looking at us like, mm-hmm. you got me. You got me on that. I have no idea yeah. what you're talking about. No, <laughs> and then if you don't want the poster size, just print it out in just a regular sheet of paper and stick it in your file and have it you know, to pull out whenever you need it. So, and mm-hmm. percentiles are used with everyone, with OTs, speech and language pathologists, special ed teachers, we all use percentiles. So it's just, it's just a great tool to have. Love it. Can you give one last tool or tip for collaborating with other professionals that you have found has worked for you to make these meetings and paperwork go smoothly as possible? I feel like just having an open mind and being able to understand that everybody is stressed, everybody is, you know, trying to trying to get things right and to not be so hard on each other. I know sometimes I come across teachers who are, you know, dogging on another teacher or on on their SLP or on their occupational therapist because they haven't got their paperwork in or vice versa. And, you know, an SLP might be complaining that the the special education teacher forgot to invite them to a meeting. And I understand that everyone's frustrated, but my tip is just to, everyone just needs to calm down. Everybody just needs to give everyone else some grace and some understanding because we're all in this for one reason, and that's the kids. And so I think that 
if we can just keep that in mind and treat everyone as professionals, I think we can all just, you know, do our jobs much better. I love that. Thank you so, so much. Where can everyone learn more about you and everything you have to offer? Well, you can find me pretty much everywhere at Sped Prep Academy. Although I'm not the most active human on any of these platforms, I am on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. But if you want to learn more about me and what I have to offer, it's probably best just to check out my podcast or website, which is also Sped Prep Academy. And we'll have links to all those in the show notes. So thank you so much, Jennifer. I always end my episodes with a joke because jokes are fun, build rapport and tons of language. And I literally am holding, if you guys can't see this, but I stole my daughter's joke book like five seconds ago out of her hands. I usually find my, I usually find my jokes online and she showed me she had a joke book and I ripped it out of her hands. So what do barbers and race car drivers have in common? They both like shortcuts. Oh, that's awesome. She got this from like the book. This is great. I need this. <laughs> I love that. I love to laugh and I love, you know, lightheartedness. So thank you for that. Anytime. Just stealing from a joke book of an eight-year-old. <laughs> Thanks everyone for listening. Tune in next week for more inspiration that you need to get your week started. And until next week, everyone, stay out of trouble. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of SLP Coffee Talk. It means the world to me that you're tuning in each and every week and getting the jolt of inspiration you need. You can find all of the links and information mentioned in this episode at my website, speechtimefun.com. Don't forget to follow the show so you don't miss any future episodes. And while you're there, It would mean the world to me if you would take a few seconds and leave me an honest review. See you next week with another episode full of fun and inspiration from one SLP to another. Have fun, guys.